I was taking a shower, and this is going to get graphic and sorry, not sorry. Taking a shower, and I'm on my period. For those of you who don't have a period, have never had a period, you know, we bleed, and in the shower, blood comes out, right? And blood also might come out and sort of be like a clot. I'm sorry. That was a lot of information, but I am assuming that 99% of the people listening to this have also had periods at some point. So they're like, yeah, Rach, I got you. So I'm in the shower. My eyes are closed. And as I'm soaping up my body, I feel right just below my lady parts. Um, I feel a, a little tiny blood clot fall onto my inner thigh. No big deal. It happens sometimes. Had three babies inside my body, three deliveries. The period doesn't always come out in liquid form. All right, everyone? It starts to slide down my leg. Still not thinking anything of this. It's going to slide down my leg into the drain. We're all fine. Sliding down my leg. I'm soaping, soaping, soaping. I'm, it's sliding. It gets to my calf. And it starts to climb back up. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. Hi, guys. It's back to school. It's back to school. I am so pumped. I'm so pumped isn't the right word. I'm so relieved. That is what I am. It is about one hour post dropping all my children off on the first day of school, and I'm so freaking relieved. I just let's start first of all by thanking our teachers. Our teachers our school administrators, the people who do the crosswalk, that literally every single human being who makes it possible for children to be at school. Because I don't know about y'all, but I'm so grateful. Let's do the asterisk. Like, I am so in love with my children. I'm so grateful I get to be their mom. All of those things. But oh my gosh, am I happy that they're back at school. Mostly because I need a routine. I mean, I think kids need routines for sure. I'm like the routine queen, but I personally need a routine, especially working from home. I need to be able to count on like from 8 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. I have, you know, the ability to do work. And then at this time, if I wake up early, I'll have time to work out. Like for me, the routine is so clutch and so important. And I always go into the first couple weeks of summer and I'm so happy because I'm like, yay, we don't have to like get out the door at any certain time. We don't have to be anywhere at a specific moment. But for me, that wears off real fast. And this summer felt long. I don't know if it felt long to you guys, but it definitely 
you felt long to me. And I'm so, oh golly, yes, let's go. Let's go to school. So pumped. I I was driving away from the school drop-off, which if you have kids, you know, first day of school drop-off is like absolute chaos. I just wanted to like whoop and holler like, oh, yay. Praise be, praise be. Let's all just take a minute. I got back to my house and I'm the only one here and I put on some Macklemore and I danced around and I just let my body like be happy. Probably going to take some sage or some Palo Santo and like smudge this whole house and bring in good energy for the new year. But holy crap, I just want to shout out everybody who made it through summer with lots of kids. We did it, guys. I have my oldest as a sophomore in high school, an eighth grader, a fifth grader, and my baby started kindergarten today. And I sort of thought, you know, you never know with kids. Sometimes they're you think they're going to be fine and then they kind of freak out. And then other times they just, you know, throw you a peace sign and keep on walking. And that was my daughter. She just, <laughs> she gave me a hug and walked right in. I thought I was going to walk to class. She was like, no, I want, I want 40 to walk me, which is her, her brother. So we call her brother. She's like, no, I want 40 to walk me. And off they walked. And I was like, oh, oh, all righty. All right. Well, great. So no tears by anybody and just celebration by mom. And I thought it was a really fun topic to start today's podcast with because even if you don't have children, I feel like this time of year is a really great time to consider a reset. Whether that's, you know, hey, we're getting towards the end of August and September starts, maybe you want to wait a minute more and go until October. But I just always think that the fall is a really nice time. I know it's not fall. It's still 110 here in Austin. But I think that the fall is a really nice time for a reset. And for me, a reset looks like looking at the routine that I have used in the past and then mapping out some new ideas. I think that we get stuck in ruts or we sort of continue or carry on with processes that no longer serve us because it's just so habitual that we don't stop to take a moment and kind of see what needs to be fixed or adjusted. And this time of year, because my kids go back to school, it's a natural moment for me to look at my own routines and see what's working and what's not. So during the summer, we really just kind of get through. You know, we're doing fun stuff. We went on vacation. We had a lot of time at home. We're playing outside, you know, in the sprinkler. We're doing stuff like that. And now we've got to get back into a routine that's going to make everyone feel really good. And as a parent, one of the things that I really believe that helps the most for you and for your kids is to have a schedule that everybody can depend on. I'm probably more scheduled and regimented, I think, than maybe the average hippie. But I found that with so many kids, there's four kids, and they're with me for a week, and then they go with their dad for a week. And the way that I think I can make that process and that transition as smooth for them as possible is that they have a really clear understanding of what is going to be happening at any moment. So we have a pretty set routine. It changed a little bit this year because my youngest now is in elementary school instead of preschool. So there's 
uh, two school drop-offs instead of three. And other than that, we just kind of jumped back into the routine that we would normally do. That being said, I feel like my routine is changing up and has changed up a lot in the last few months. So I just thought I would walk you guys through that in case this is a great opportunity for you to also try a reset, to try a new routine, to flip things up and change things up and see what might work better for you. But kind of how I figure it out is based on what I am trying to accomplish in a given season of life. Right now, I've got two major work projects that are happening. And so everything in my life as it pertains to work is about how to accomplish those in the best possible way. So the two big things that I've got going on besides podcasts, obviously, is my next book is due soon. So that's fun. I've been writing on my next book, which I'm really excited to share with you guys when it's finally time. And I have tour happening this fall. Actually, in like, I don't know, seven weeks or something, we have our first tour date, which is so freaking exciting. I'm so pumped. Just little things keep happening that make me really excited. This is lame, but my best friend Rosie has been my stylist for ever and ever. And she keeps sending me, like I just will get packages in the mail and it's like stuff she wants me to wear on tour. And I don't, shop for myself. I don't like pull things myself. So it's always like, oh, okay, this is exciting. This is fun. Haven't had new clothes in the mix in forever. So I'm really excited and it's nothing fancy. It's like t-shirts or shoes or whatever, but it makes me feel cool. And I'm excited to get out there and hang out with you guys and just reconnect. I'm so excited about the opportunity to be in a space together again and to be with a community of people who are working on a better version of themselves. I just, I miss that. I miss that so much. It's been so long since I've gotten to step into those spaces. And I know for some of you, maybe you've never had the opportunity to go to an event or a conference or you know, a conversation or a party where you are with people who are also working on themselves, who are also reaching for something more in their lives. And it's just like taking a full breath, you know, for anybody who is trying to work on something, is is aiming at a goal, whether that's personal or professional, and you maybe don't have the support in your life or you don't have people who get it or get you or understand why you're driven or understand why you want to make change. There's something really powerful that happens when you get around other people who understand. And the beauty of this community is that everyone's working on something. It's not ever the same. Like, you know, in one row, you'll have someone who is working on their career and their goal is to be a CEO. In the next seat, you'll have someone who wants to be the greatest second grade teacher in the world. They want to win teacher of the year. In the next seat, you have someone who's training for their first half marathon. In the next seat, you have someone who wants to start a nonprofit. Like every single person is different, but they're all working on themselves. And so nobody judges you for working on yourself. Not only do they not judge you, but they hype you up. And that was the intention behind sort of getting the band back together was like, could we create these opportunities where we're experimenting, right? We're bringing this conversation to cities that might not normally have it in 
doing this work and prepping for these shows, I'm having meetings and calls with, you know, different people in these towns or, you know, the promoters who are putting the event on. And I'm like, okay, cool. So tell me who else you guys have brought to town who've done this kind of thing. Like who are the other speakers who speak on personal development or, you know, maybe even preachers. Basically, I was just trying to say like anybody who has ever come into your city and talked about working on becoming a better version of you. And they're like, we don't have this. We don't do this. We've never done this. Like we don't, we don't have that kind of thing. I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, cool. This is really new for everybody. And that feels amazing and sort of scary, but like scary in a good way of let's try this thing and see what happens and what we create. And, you know, it's funny whenever I go to a place or region where I've spoken before, or maybe I've brought a RISE conference before, you sort of plant some seeds in the ground. And I feel like this is our chance to plant some seeds in the ground in places that we haven't done it before. So I'm really happy to hang out with all of you who have already bought your tickets, who are planning to grab your tickets. And if you are wanting to find out more information, you can go to rachetalklive.com. That's what's happening with tour. But in order to get ready for these two things that I have going on, I have to lay out my daily routine in a different way because yeah, different seasons require different energy, different times of my cycle require different energy, different ages of my life. I felt like I could do things in my early 30s that I just am not interested in doing, you know, as I go into my 40s. So how I'm laying out the day now is wanting to have as much energy as possible early in the day. And not just energy in terms of what's happening in my body, but more than anything, mental focus. Because I write, I get my word count in first thing in the day. I want my brain to be as fresh as possible. I get any sort of um, podcast like this one, anything that requires a lot of extra focus, I want to do first thing in the day. And what I found is that if I follow a routine that I used to have, let's say five or seven years ago, where I would wake up and I go do my workout first thing in the morning, I found that that really affects my focus. It doesn't like hurt it, but I just don't feel like my brain is like popping as strong as it could if I do my focus work before my workout. So I've actually shifted things. I tried it out a bit this summer and really liked the way it felt to do more of my work earlier in the day and then do my workout as the way to end my day. And a workout for me could be anything. It could be going on a really long walk. It could be a jog. It could be a yoga class. It could be um, strength training. It just depends on how I'm feeling. I really do vibe out my workout based on how my body feels that day because at some points in the month, I have a ton of energy and I really do want to go run it off. And other times I'm like, I'm going to go do a really gentle yoga class because that's all I've got today. And then I'm also working around if the kids are here versus when they're not, I have more freedom to you know drive into downtown Austin and do a yoga class when they're not here versus if they are, then I'm going to do, you know, a jog around my neighborhood. So I just sort of adjust 
and go with the flow. And I'm not strict with myself about it needing to be something specific. I'm just strict in that I want to make sure I get in those handful of things every single day. I want to make sure that I get the work I need to accomplish accomplished. I want to make sure I move my body every single day for at least 30 minutes. I want to make sure I'm drinking water, meditating, having time for me, having that great morning routine that I love, the coffee, the reading, the meditation, journaling, all of that stuff. Um, So I'm just doing the same things, but I'm sort of moving them around like a jigsaw puzzle to figure out what fits best. And if you've never done this before or you're interested in shaking up the routine, my best advice is to just try something. Just lay out. I am a visual person, so I like to lay it out on a piece of paper. If you've got your priority planner, there's a whole thing in there where you can figure out how to lay out your day, your month, your week. Um, You can do it on a whiteboard. You can do it on a mirror with a dry erase marker. But I like to just try anything. Whenever you're trying to figure something out, just try something. Because we can edit and adjust anything, but it's way harder to make something work when you haven't figured out what doesn't work. It's sort of like writing a book. A book isn't born in the first draft. A book is born in the eighth round edit, right? Or the ninth or the tenth. I know I can make something good if I just try. I think that we as humans have gotten so terrified of experimentation. You know, we don't experiment in our creativity or our business or our style. We don't change things up, even in the smallest ways. Just try an experiment this week where you're like, well, maybe let me try getting up 30 minutes earlier. Or let me try moving the place that my workout happens and maybe that will make me feel better. Or let me try just for the hell of it to cut my caffeine intake in half or to go a full week without having my nightly glass of wine. Whatever it is, we get ideas in our head that if we attempt something, we've got to be willing to do it for the rest of time, right? You're like, I don't even want to try going on this run because going on this run means that like now I got to run. No, it can just be this one thing that you try to see how you feel. And if it doesn't feel good, you try something else. But I promise you it's way easier to edit and adjust an existing attempt than it is to not do anything at all. I sort of think that this life is one big experiment where we test things and we try things, we see what works and you know, we strip off the things that don't. I love the story. I, I just interviewed Ben Hardy on the podcast last week. It, there's, it was like a two-hour conversation. It's part one and part two. It's so good, you guys. It's, you know, how do you become the future version of yourself faster? How do you 10X your output and the things that you're focusing on? How do you really implement the 80-20 principle so you're focusing on those 20% of your efforts that give you 80% of the results. It was just such a good conversation. But in it, in his book and in our chat, Ben talked a lot about Michelangelo. And when Michelangelo was carving David, the statue of David, which is an icon that has existed since like 15 something something, I don't even remember. He says again and again, that 
the way that he got to this insanely beautiful, amazing statue of David was he just kept chipping away at anything that wasn't David. He had this huge block of marble, and he just chipped away for years. Anything that wasn't David, he chipped away. And eventually what was left was this incredible creation. And I think that's how we as humans are as well. We're meant to strip away to chip away, to get rid of anything that doesn't feel like us. And when I think of us, I think of who it is we believe we have the potential to become. You know, what's one more thing that you can strip away from your routine this week? Something small that you're like, yeah, my ideal version of me, the best person I can be, he doesn't have that, or she doesn't smoke, or he doesn't eat junk food, or she doesn't, you know, get really frustrated and scream at her partner. Like, whatever that is for you, this is a great time of year to experiment and see what's one thing you can strip away. And I always find that if you just start with one thing, you can stack. You can stack great habits on top of that. I think it's when we try and do everything all at once that we peter out or we get exhausted or you know we try and become a whole new person while also trying to help our kids manage a new school year or while also trying to manage a new job for ourselves or you know we try and do too much all at one time and it overloads your system so that you sort of give up on everything. And then you shame yourself. You believe that there's something wrong with you. You believe that, you know, you suck. And really, it's just that you tried to do too many things at one time. So I want to encourage you this week, this month, this season to look for one piece of marble that isn't part of your David that you can strip away. I have this insane spider outside my window where I record a podcast, and I've never seen a spider like this, and it's not in a way that it can get into the house, she thinks, and it's not in a place where anyone goes in the backyard, so I've just like left it there. It's built a web over this small window I have looking out into my garden, and it's really big, and it's really beautiful coloring, and I got to be honest, I would always look out at this spider web, I'm looking at it right now, which is why I'm telling you this this story, and just be like, wow, that's a beautiful spider. I'm like, oh, it's my Charlotte's web. It's getting big. It's getting real big. And I only know it's getting real big because I just looked up and it's eating, oh God, it's so gross, you guys. It's eating a, I'm going to guess, moth? It's eating something very big. Let's say that this guy is full circumference with legs, I'm going to say the size of like a silver dollar. And it's eating something that's bigger than it. And it's really freaking me out. It's really freaking me out because I was just telling my kids about the movie Arachnophobia. Do any of you remember that movie? Let me tell you why I was telling my kids about Arachnophobia. I 
was taking a shower the other night. I live in Austin, Texas. I live in hill country. So it's out in the countryside. And I was taking a shower. And this is going to get graphic and sorry, not sorry. Taking a shower and I'm on my period, okay? And um, for those of you who don't have a period, have never had a period, you know, we bleed and in the shower, blood comes out, right? And blood also might come out and sort of be like a clot. I'm sorry. That was a lot of information, but I am assuming that 99% of the people listening to this have also had periods at some point. So they're like, yeah, Rach, I got you. So I'm in the shower. The clot part's important. It's going to make sense in a minute. And I'm sud- I'm soaping up and my eyes are closed because I had like put a, like a face mask kind of soap thingy on my face and then was soaping up my body. And as I'm soaping up my body, I feel right just below my lady parts, um, I feel a, what I assume is like a clot, a little tiny blood clot fall onto my inner thigh. No big deal. It happens sometimes. Had three babies inside my body, three deliveries, The period doesn't always come out in liquid form. All right, everyone? Thank you, and you're welcome. So I feel this thing fall out onto my inner thigh. I don't think anything of it. It starts to slide down my leg. Still not thinking anything of this. It's going to slide down my leg into the drain. We're all fine. Sliding down my leg. I'm soaping, soaping, soaping. It's sliding. It gets to my calf. And it starts to climb back up. And I look down. My eyes fly open. And I look down. And there is the biggest scorpion. Scorpion I have ever seen in my life. Trying to climb back up my leg. Trying to get back close to my vagina. I don't know what it was doing. I do know that I felt it land on my inner thigh inches, inches from my coochie, okay? And I just want you to imagine for a minute, I want you to imagine you're naked, you're vulnerable, and a giant scorpion stings you in the hoo-ha. It didn't sting me. We're just imagining this together because that is the vision that I had when I screamed, shook my leg, which sent the scorpion flying into the floor and then jumped. I have like like a step in my shower, like a ledge that you could like put your foot up to like shave your legs or whatever. I jump on the ledge and I am violently shaking, violently, okay? And like... I am covered with soap, violently shaking, standing on a ledge. I can't even make noise. I'm just watching this giant scorpion slither around the bottom of my shower. And my boyfriend had heard me scream from the other room. So he runs in. He's like, baby, what's wrong? What's wrong? I'm like, like, just start speaking in tongues. The scorpion runs under like a crack in the shower. He's trying to get it out. I'm like, I'm so traumatized. I finally, he's like, it, I can't get it out, but it's not going to come out. Just like rinse the soap off your body. So I made him stand in the shower, not in the shower, but I made him stand outside the shower so that I could finish so that 
like it it finished in two seconds, but I just needed someone to be on Scorpion Patrol. Can you imagine, you guys? A scorpion, my inner thigh. That that's a real thing that happened. And that happening reminded me of arachnophobia. And I was telling the kids how terrifying that movie was when I saw it when I was younger. And I don't know if it'll still hold up. But if you saw that and were terrified from it, you're still not okay. And I was like, fine with this spider. And I'm not going to, obviously, I'm not going to do anything to her. She's just living her life. But you guys, she's big. And as I'm watching her, I'm literally watching her like suck the life out of a moth or something. I'm I'm stressed out about that. Speaking of periods, <laughs> speaking of hormones, speaking of my cycle, I did a whole episode, which you should totally listen to if you haven't already, where I interviewed my hormone doctor, Dr. Brush. Uh, if you scroll back, I don't know, probably a couple months, it was one of our most popular episodes of the year where I talk about being estrogen dominant and how my hormones have been out of whack for a while because of really intense stress for the last, you know, four or five years and all the things that we have done and I have done to get myself back on the right path hormonally. And I feel pretty confident that I'm perimenopausal, which is that time period. I think it can go like anywhere between five and 12 years before menopause. You have perimenopause, which affects your cycles, your moods, your hormones, like kind of everything. So I'm in this time period where I'm trying to manage all of these things. And we had a whole conversation about it. And it's so funny. I feel like I balanced my hormones sort of in the first part of my cycle. And now I'm having issues in the second part of my cycle. And I just wanted to tell you all that because when we are trying to get healthy, physical health, mental health, emotional health, in this instance, hormonal, I just was thinking about how discouraging it can be to feel like you're making strides and then have something kind of knock you sideways. And that's how I felt this week. It's been about four months of essentially I'm great and then I have my period and my period is really, really, really heavy um, to the point that I feel I, I have my whole life and this runs in my family, but I have low blood pressure and I have anemia. And I'm losing so much blood so fast that it wipes me out. Like I literally can't, I'm kind of good for nothing. I can like keep my kids alive and make them food and stuff, but I can't really focus that day. Like when it happens, I can't, definitely can't work out, can't do a lot of physical stuff. It's pretty intense. And that has then triggered this thing where once my period finishes, I'm getting really intense anxiety, like out of the blue, really intense, like more intense maybe than I have, oh gosh, in years and years. And so I started taking holy basil again, just for those few days post-period because I thought it would really help kind of balance me out. If you haven't heard me talk about holy basil 
oh man, let me just real quick side note. Holy basil is an adaptogen. There's all kinds of different adaptogens. You can Google them or talk to your doctor about them would be even better. But adaptogens are herbs, supplements, different things that literally help your body adapt to stresses. And when I was experiencing really, really horrible anxiety years ago, I learned about holy basil and I would take one pill every night. You can get them at the grocery store, on Amazon, whatever. Uh, The brand I use, not an ad, but I use a brand called Gaia just because I use a lot of their supplements. But holy basil or sometimes called Tulsi is my favorite. And it's my favorite. The way I always describe it to people is that the stuff that used to make you anxious, it still exists, but you just are sort of outside of the anxiety. You don't feel it in the same way anymore. So how I was managing these really intense, anxious episodes post-period is I would just take holy basil for a few days and that would be great. And it would just like get me over that weird hump. And then the last couple of months, in taking the holy basil to manage the anxiety, now anxiety has gone and what's in its place is uh, depression. And I know what depression feels like. I've had depression on and off in my life, mild depression. I've had pretty severe postpartum um, after one of my babies was born. And then I've had mild depression on and off and I've gone to therapy and I've done all the things, but you know the feeling very intensely. And the reason I know it's hormonal is that it will wash away within a few days. Sometimes I'll just wake up the next day and I feel totally normal again. Or even more often, I'll feel really, really, really depressed. And then by the end of the day, it's like a cloud has lifted. And if you've ever had real depression, I'm not saying that what I'm experiencing isn't real, but it doesn't lift by the end of the day. It's not something that goes away quickly. It's um, It can be debilitating. It can be life-destroying. So um, the reason I know this is a hormonal imbalance is because it comes in waves. It's actually one of the best pieces of advice I could give you if you're dealing with mood swings, if you're all of a sudden getting really emotional, you get really angry, you get really rage-filled, you have these moments where you're screaming at your kids and then you're crying later, like it's not normal. We are told that it's normal because (laughs) medicine has been created by men. Not that there weren't female doctors, but I think we can all understand that medicine as far back as it starts in the traditional sense, not in the sense of the wise women, not in the sense of the midwives, of uh, the women who were later called witches because they knew how herbs worked and different medicines you could find in the forest. But medicine, I'm using air quotes, um, and doctors and med school have only historically been allowed to be men. And over time, obviously, women have come into that mix. But what goes back to the beginning is men who were the doctors and therefore men are treating what they know, which is their own body. I mean, there is a whole good God. I could go into a whole thing about how often women are misdiagnosed, particularly as it pertains to autoimmune disease, how often they gave women hysterectomies because they said that that made them crazy. Literally the word hysterical 
hysterical and hysterectomy, there's a reason that the root word there is the same. It's because, you know, when women were acting quote unquote hysterical, we had to, you know, take their womb because men were idiots and that was the best that they could come up with and women didn't have control. So forgive my jump over to the side. The reason that I'm going off on that tangent is I just want you, if you're, if you are a bleeder, I want you to understand that our world has not been set up in a way to understand women's bodies, to honor women's bodies, to help us work with our cycle and to work with our hormones. We're taught that periods are painful. We're taught that cramps are supposed to exist. We're taught that we're going to be a crazy bitch for you know the week before our period. Like we're taught all of these things, and so we accept them. And things are changing in medicine, especially with so many women who are on the forefront of these conversations. But essentially, what you need to know is that your cycle is what a wise doctor would refer to as your fifth vital sign. It is an indication of how you're doing. And so if you're having really heavy periods, if you're not bleeding at all, if you're feeling intense pain, if you're feeling intense mood swings, or like in my case, if your hormones are swinging really wildly and making you feel super anxious or making you feel really depressed, something's not right. And you know, yesterday, just full transparency, I had one of those days. I had felt really low the day before, but I was on my period and I was just like, yeah, this is normal. And I had lost a lot of blood. So I was like, all sorts of things are going on here. But yesterday I genuinely, it's the most depressed, like genuinely very, very low and depressed I have felt since I had postpartum depression. And that was a really long time ago. Uh, and this wasn't, there was, there's nothing happening in my life to make me feel like nothing's going on. It was just, if you've ever felt depression, you know, that sense of like, your head goes to such a dark place. And I, there was like one part of my brain that was like, oh, something's happening and this isn't normal. But I feel like when you're in those moments, that feeling, that intense feeling of depression, it, it colors everything. And I'll tell you a few things that I did yesterday when I was like, okay, this is this is really bad. So the first thing that I did is call my doctor. Um, and that's why I wanted to talk about this today is at least for me, I'm an achiever. I like figuring things out. And I've told you guys this before, I hate feeling like I'm repeating a past behavior. Like I'm like, no, we've worked through this. So I can get really frustrated when I have health issues or like when I'm experiencing stress or anxiety from stuff that like kind of like the ghost of Christmas past, it bugs me because I'm like, dang it, how much more therapy do I have to do? Like I thought we were past this thing. But yesterday I was like, nope, we're not trying to do this by ourselves. Something's really off. This isn't something you can like read a book about. This is like you need a professional to help you. So I called my doctor. I made an appointment. Actually, I have an appointment with her this afternoon. Dr. Brush, thank you for fitting me in. I immediately went and did a workout. And that maybe sounds, I don't know how that sounds, but 
It's just um, if you Google it, if you talk to your doctor about it, moving your body, even when you don't want to, even when you're feeling really low, it is so helpful for your brain. It does so many good things. It lowers bad hormones. It raises good ones. I didn't do a super hard workout. I went and walked really fast with some music that I love. And then I did some strength training and I felt so much better afterwards. I made sure that I ate really well yesterday when I'm feeling, I'm just being super honest with you guys, when I'm feeling depressed or if I feel really anxious, I lose my appetite and I'll just kind of not eat like I should. I'm a hungry human. So I always know that when my appetite goes, something's wrong. And so I made myself, you know, really healthy, really nourishing food yesterday, made sure that I had all my supplements that I was like, take just everything. It was like, okay, I, I have to double down on self-care right now. So did the workout, called the doctor and made an appointment for today. Probably going to have to have some blood work done or some kind of test to see what's going on. But it's worth saying, I sort of push myself up and out into a workout like Mel Robbins, five second rule, five, four, three, two, one, go. I had to do that yesterday because I did not want to. And I have a really intense history of depression in my family. And I know how easily depression wins. I know how easily it wins. And it's sort of like, at least for me, those moments don't happen often, but when they do, I'm like, okay, I have to go now. I have to right now not think about it and go. I have to do some things. I have to like sort of grab the lifeline right now in this moment, or I'm going to pull the covers over my head. And some days that's all you can do is pull the covers over your head. But I just know for myself and for my extended family, the longer that we stay in those moments, the longer they stay. I don't know how else to describe that. It's like if you pull the covers over your head, you maybe aren't going to get out of that bed for weeks. And I have a lot of memories of my childhood with parents in bed because they couldn't get out. And um, I just, it scares me, to be totally honest. The, the idea of that scares me. I never want that for my kids. So yeah, yesterday was the lowest I have felt. And what was so crazy, so crazy, was by the end of the day, I was fine. Now, I wasn't my normal self where I'd be like, oh, I feel my natural state is like I feel good and I'm happy and I'm joyful. I definitely felt like almost like I had an emotional hangover yesterday at the end of the day. But I was, I could tell that my hormones were back in balance. So I'm going to have an appointment with the doctor today and just find out if there are things I can do, because of course there are, that will just help mitigate that, or I want to better understand what's happening when this when this goes on. So I just wanted to tell that story for anyone who is on some kind of a health journey and you feel discouraged. Because yesterday I definitely felt discouraged that 
I'm like, man, I like straightened out the front part of my cycle and now I'm experiencing this on the backside. But it's this idea of, okay, can we look backwards and can we see how far we've come? Or if you need it, it could be really helpful to just look at another time in your life where you overcame something, you've overcome some part of your health journey, you've gotten through a hard you know, path that you can look back and go like, okay, yes, we're dealing with something new, but remember when you had, you know, for me, I'm like, remember when you had Bell's palsy? Remember when you had vertigo for like a year? Remember when your body was like shutting down? Okay, we're not there. We've come a really long way since there. So let's honor where here is and let's understand that with every passing year, we're changing and evolving. And that means we grow out of and past some hard things, but of course, new things are going to emerge. And I think the goal is to not get discouraged by it, but to understand that it's part of the process and to do your best to do your best. So that's what's happening over here. I will say too, yesterday, I sometimes I really got to go to the old school worship music. I grew up in the Christian church. I have not been to church in a very long time. I have a very strong faith and I have a very strong relationship with God and the universe and things much bigger than me, but I don't choose to practice that in a church anymore. And uh, I will say though that there are times where the thing that is gonna help most, for me anyway, is like a worship song from my childhood. And the song that I played yesterday, I, I don't even know if any of you grew up in church like I did, so maybe this is not going to resonate, but there's like probably two people listening who like will know what I'm talking about and be like, oh, I got you. The song that helped me so much yesterday, it popped into my head and I just felt like it was an angel being like, go listen to this, uh, was uh, I Surrender. There, I just think it's such a good song, even if you don't, it doesn't even strike me as necessarily strictly religious. I think it's just a beautiful idea. And when I was looking for it yesterday, I saw that Carrie Underwood recorded a version. So if you like country music, but it's just this idea of like, I surrender all, like I surrender, I'm not going to try and control this. And that is one of my fatal mistakes in my life is believing that I can control everything and keep everybody safe and keep myself safe. And I'm really working on this idea of walking in faith means not just that you take the steps, but that you surrender how you think it's supposed to be or how you think it's supposed to look or how it's supposed to turn out. Like let go of your attachment to the outcome. And that was what I needed yesterday. I was literally just playing like old school. I wanted, I'm, I can't remember the singer, but I didn't want a new version. I wanted the sound of what I had grown up singing in a small country church. And yeah, I Surrender All was my song yesterday. It was really helpful. I don't know if it'll be helpful for you guys or if you even know what that is, but for the few of you who have a similar background, Go grab that. And if you don't have a similar background, maybe there's a song from your childhood, not you know religious at all, 
that could be really helpful to you. There's something about reaching for what calmed us when we were younger that I think can really calm you in in times that feel super stressful. All right. My last thought in this, you know, catch it up, see how we're doing, what's going on is every single year for as long as my kids have been in school, I have taken them on a back to school dinner. I came up with this idea years ago because I was like, number one, I thought it would be a fun way to celebrate getting through the summer in one piece. And number two, I didn't get to go, my family didn't have money. So every once in a while, if it was like a grandparent's birthday or something, we might go to a restaurant in town, which wasn't a fancy restaurant, but it was just like, holy crap, we're eating in a place that's not our house. So that's fun. I didn't eat out much as a as a little kid and still to this day going to a restaurant is my favorite thing ever. I love going out to eat. I love a beautiful meal. I love a creative chef. I watch all the chef's tables on Netflix, like all the barbecue shows. I love seeing how people put food together and going to a restaurant is my fave. So I thought it would be really fun to start to take my kids literally once a year to a restaurant that was a little bit nicer and how I've done that historically is like, we'll go to a steakhouse because I feel like a steakhouse has the kind of food that little kids will eat. Even if they didn't want steak, they could have like the side dishes. And so started this tradition and took them to dinner this last weekend. And at that dinner, which you guys could totally still do this. It doesn't have to be before school starts. We talk we say, you know, I ask, I, I usually have like five questions that I ask everybody at the table. And this year it was stuff like, what are three things that you couldn't do or didn't have or different things that you have acquired or added to your life or skills that you have learned since our last back to school dinner? And it's so great to hear Number one, I think this teaches kids to measure themselves backwards instead of forwards to go, oh, wow, I've really gained a lot of traction and, and, and done a lot of stuff. But I also love to hear about what the kids think is valuable. It's really cool to hear them say something that they're proud of because I feel like as a parent, it gives you an idea of like, oh, this means a lot to them. So I need to pay more attention to their engineering class, because clearly that was something that that they were really proud of or they are really proud of. So I ask those questions, and then I also ask them to set intentions for the year ahead. And you can do this with little kids. Like my five-year-old does this. And the answers change, obviously, from the 15-year-old to the five-year-old. But I still think it's very powerful to teach kids to think this way. And one of the things that we talked about that I thought I would share with you guys, because I felt like it was a good piece of back-to-school advice, but also just a good piece of advice in general, is my kids talk a lot about every year, they'll have some version of wanting to make new friends, wanting to add some, you know, that, that's just a theme, like, oh, I want to make, I want to make more friends. And so I began asking, okay, describe your perfect new best friend. Describe someone that you want to add to your circle that like, what are the characteristics that you want them to have and how do you want them to be? And 
that's also great to hear what it is that they're looking for and kind of, okay, great. And how, like, it's just so awesome, you guys. And it's a good question to ask yourself. If you don't have kids, ask yourself this question. I have, um, in my journal, I wrote about a month ago, I wrote for collaborators and friends that I want to bring into my life, what I want, what are the characteristics I'm looking for and who do I want them to be? And, you know, my two best girlfriends lived in Austin for the longest time and they moved back to LA several months ago. And I love that for them. And I still get to see them fairly regularly when I go into LA, but I miss having friends in Austin. So I was like, okay, great. Now I'm going to ask God and the universe to bring me some awesome new friends, but I'm not just going to say, I want a friend. I'm going to be very specific in the kind of person that I'm looking for because I want people, and this is what I talked about with my kids, is I want people in my life that are at my level in terms of vibration. I don't mean at my level in work. I don't mean at my level in like what they like to do during the day. I just want them to be at my level vibrationally. I want them to be joyful. I want them to love people. I want them to be open-minded. I want them to be creative and supportive of other people who are the same. Like you could be an 80-year-old single farmer and I'm like, let's be besties if you're on my vibrational level or even better universe, God, send me people who are higher vibes than I am. Send me people that I get around and I'm like, oh, damn, I have to level up to be able to be at their level. Like, what a dream. Let's call that shot. So this is something that I was talking to the kids about is really having intention around who it is you're looking for so that when you meet people, number one, you meet people with a sense of expectation, right? Oh, is this my new best friend? Is this my new best? Oh, is this my, is this person going to be, is this barista? Like, are they my new buddy? You meet people and you're excited about what potential is there, which I think allows you to walk through the world with an open mind and an open heart, but also that you know what isn't for you right? If you've said that you want someone who's really creative, you want a really creative friend and um, they're going to be funky and they're going to be stylish like you are and they're going to love to go to art galleries because that's what you really are hoping to find in your life. And you meet someone who's a civil engineer, great person, but you know maybe they're Earth energy is metal and they're very straight-laced and focused and analytical, and that's amazing. But if you know that you're looking for someone who's creative and artistic, you can it just like sort of tells you, like, yep, that's not what we're looking for. Not that you, you know, punch that person in the face, <laughs> but that you just go, okay, well, that's maybe not what I was hoping for. And it just helps you to clarify what is for me, what is not. That was something that we talked about at back to school dinner, and I thought maybe would be helpful for you guys too. And also, if you're looking for new people in your circle, I'm going to say it again. That is the intention of me going on tour, bringing this podcast to different cities in the U.S. It's not to hear me talk for two hours, though I promise I will do that, and I will pump you up and give you motivation and give you tools and ideas and the best advice I can possibly think of. But 
the thing that I know that my team and I are great at and the reason I feel like I'm being called on this experimental journey with this tour is we're incredible at creating space. We're incredible at creating experiences where people feel comfortable to be themselves, where they can, you know, let that freak flag fly if that's what they want to do, where they can be accepted, where they can have big energy, where they can be loud, where they can be extra, or where they can be quiet and introverted and whoever you are is welcome. And that you can find like-minded people who get the quote that you just quoted and who love that book and also have a book they can recommend to you. It's a community of people who are working on themselves and we're really good at creating those. So if you are going to be around September, October, we're out in the world and you should totally come and join us. Reachtalklive.com. And yeah, look for people who are at your level or even above you, which is the dream. Uh, I also wanted to tell you guys, this was just a catch up, some things I was thinking about today. But as always, if you have questions, if there are things you want me to touch on, if there are things you want me to go over, give the hotline a call, 737-400-4626. We passed 100 million podcast downloads a couple weeks ago which is such a big number that my brain can't even really comprehend it. But it's because of you guys. It's because you show up. It's because you help craft exactly what this show is about, what we talk about here and what we're interested in because you send me those DMs and you call into hotline and and you ask your questions. So keep them coming. We'll be back soon with more conversation. If you are digging this episode, if you're digging the conversation with Ben Hardy or the conversation with Sir Woman, Kelsey Wilson, like if you're finding, especially, especially, especially when there's experts and teachers and people who are taking time to share their wisdom, if you're liking the conversation, please share it on social media. Let's give them love and give them light and let as many people as possible know about the conversations we're having here on the show. I'll be back soon with more more good stuff. And until then, I want you to remember, I love you and I'm rooting for you. The Rachel Hollis podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble.